I just want to say thank you to the worship team for, you know, coming in. It takes a lot of practice. It takes a lot of time and to do uh, worship live, and it's, it's good to have that, isn't it? And uh, to see people operating in their, in their giftedness. Um, let's just pray for the message that God has given uh, me today. Father, in the name of Jesus, <clears throat> we all bow our knee to you, and... Um, we come to you and say, Lord Jesus, we need you to speak to us. We're asking you to speak to us. We, we know that you want to. So, Father, may our ears be open. May our eyes be open. May our heart be open to hear what you have to say to us so that, Father, we can live a, a victorious Christian life, so we can stand our ground and stand fast and withstand all that comes against us. And, uh, Father, we just know, Lord, that you've given us all the weapons and uh, that we can... Uh, defeat uh, any enemy that comes at us. And so, Father, just by your Holy Spirit now, come and, and speak to us. In uh, Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Uh, we have been, we've been in this area of Ephesians chapter 6 and uh, dealing with verses 10 onward to do with uh, putting on the full armor that uh, the idea of the fact that we are in a spiritual uh, battle. And um, the, the fundamental question for all of us, really, for us as we look at this, is that do, do you believe that a spiritual realm exists? That there is a spiritual realm that exists? Um, is there a realm above us and about us which influences us? That's what that's why I'm asking you that question. I want you to think about that. Let's let's read these these verses in Ephesians chapter six, starting at verse ten, and uh, keeping in, keeping in mind here that this isn't necessarily uh, victory over sin. This is victory over Satan, and we're going to look at who he is today, so that we can fight a more uh, informed battle against his wiles and his tactics. So here, starting in uh, verse 10, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might and put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. Stand, therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith, with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. I was uh, really uh, rejoicing in the Lord this morning 
when Ron brought the invitation in using Psalm 27, you know, the Holy Spirit speaks to us as we pray in this invocation, the benediction, the things we do at the beginning of a service and the things we do at the end is all God working to speak to us as a body of believers. This Psalm 27 that Ron read, I want us to go back to it again as in, in light of Ephesians chapter 6 and the verses we just read. Because as I, I, want you, I want to do this because I don't want Satan, even though we're going to talk about him, I don't want him to sort of think he's, he's got the, our, our attention in a way that Jesus has sort of been put on the side burner. Jesus is our Lord and Savior. And on that cross, when he died, all hell lost a battle. But that doesn't mean that we're not in a, in a battle today. Here's, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? And we put on that full armor. The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? And when the wicked came against me to eat up my flesh, my enemies and foes, they stumbled and fell. Though an army may encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war may rise against me, in this I will be confident. One thing I have desired of the Lord, that will I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. For in the time of trouble, he shall hide me in his pavilion, in the secret place. That really struck me when Ron read that this morning. He will hide me in his pavilion, in the secret place of his tabernacle. He shall hide me. He shall set me high upon a rock. Isn't that good? And now my head shall be lifted up above my enemies all around me. Therefore, I will offer sacrifices of joy in his tabernacle. I will sing, yes, I will sing praises to the Lord. What a great way to start our service. And hear, O Lord, when I cry with my voice, have mercy also upon me and answer me. And when you said, seek my face, my heart said to you, your face, Lord, I will seek. Do not hide your face from me. Do not turn your servant away in anger. You have been my help. Do not leave me nor forsake me, O God of my salvation. And my father and my mother forsake me. The Lord will take care of me. Teach me your way, O Lord, and lead me in a smooth path because of my enemies. Do not deliver me to the will of my adversaries. For false witnesses have risen against me, and such as have breathed out violence, I would have lost heart unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait on the Lord. Be of good courage, and he shall strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. Now, we could preach on that, couldn't we? That is God's word, and it's a powerful word. But God is in, is, is, is in charge here. But I, again, the fundamental question for us, do we believe in a spiritual realm, and do we believe in, in the fact that Satan and his adversaries, and he's all in this spiritual realm, is at work against us? And wants to defeat us. And is going to come against us. But do you believe in the authority of scripture? The scripture we just read. Do you believe the Bible to be the word of God? Is it fully trustworthy? Is it without error as originally given? Those are the things that when we look at this spiritual realm. We have to ask ourselves. How solid are we in these beliefs? 
It's without error. It's originally given. As we read this, it begins to infuse in us and teach us how, in this case, how to take our stand, how to withstand against the enemy's attack towards us. And when we settle that issue, we recognize that we as Christians are in a spiritual battle, right? And that the world in general is influenced by spiritual forces. There are spiritual forces at work throughout this world. And they're going on, and they have been going on since the snake came in at Genesis and deceived the woman. And there are a third of the angels fell. We refer to them as demons. And they're led by this master that masquerades as an angel of light, the Bible says, and we call him Satan. But when we become Christians, we actually elect to change sides, right? We become a warrior for Christ rather than a pawn of Satan. In the world, we can, we can live like a, a pawn of Satan used by him. And oftentimes we don't even know it. We just know we're miserable. So let's recognize that Ephesians 6 is is about victory over Satan, not necessarily victory over sin. The previous chapters in Ephesians here have been dealing and teaching us about our victory over sin and about our new life in Christ and how our eyes and our heart to be open to the depth of, of God's love. He's given us all these truths as we've, uh, if you read through Ephesians, but when it comes to 6, he says, you better be aware that this Christian life, it's, it, it's a battle and the one that you're going to fight is Satan. But you're going to have victory over him because he's going to give you the tools to do it. So if we're going to win this battle, if we're going to take our stand, if we're going to withstand against the wicked one in the day of evil, it's not like you're every moment and every second is, is, uh, is evil, he, he's, he's got tactics, and he's, he's good at it, and he, he comes at you, like, and then he backs off. And, and so the first thing we have to do is to know something of the strength and power of this enemy that is set against us. So you've got to look at the devil first, because according to Scripture, he's the chief of all the powers set against us. That's what the Bible teaches. He is the chief of all powers that's set against us. Many names are used for him in, in, in this passage of Ephesians 6. He's called the devil, which is he's a slanderer. He's, he's also called the adversary, Satan. His most common name in the Old Test, Testament is uh, names are Beelzebub, Belial, the evil one, the wicked one, the strong man armed. And Scripture makes it clear that we are to think of the devil in a personal sense. He's not simply a force or a power. He's a personality. It's not just sort of something just floating around out there. He steams. And he's got an army that's working under him. Scripture makes it clear that we're to think of the devil in a personal sense. He's, and he's not simply a force or a power. He is the prince of this world, a prince of this world the God of this world, a serpent, a tempter, a ruler of darkness, 
an unclean spirit. The prince and the, of, of the power of the air, he's a roaring lion. He masquerades like this. And he comes and he wants to destroy us. He wants to ruin our Christian walk, ruin the very things that we've just learned about that Christ has done for us and get us into a, a place of weakness and where we're overcome all the time. We just don't live in victory. We live in defeat. We become a victim instead of a victor. We've been talking about that. In Revelation 9 Verse 11, just describing this, this wickedness, it says, and they had a king over them, the angel of the bottomless pit. That's who he is, the angel of the bottomless pit, whose name in Hebrew is Ab- Abaddon, destruction. But in Greek, he has the name Apollyon, a destroyer. Now that's who, that is in the Christian, in the Christian realm, when we cross over from being a, a pawn of his, to being a warrior for Christ, his name didn't change. He, he wants to destroy you. He wants to, he's, 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 a, he's a attacking us to, dis, to destroy our relationships, to destroy unity, to destroy peace. And he does, he is the destroyer and he is destruction. Revelation 12 refers to him, verses 7 through 11, as the dragon, the great dragon. He's a deceiver who deceives the whole world. He's an accuser of the brethren. I'm sure that all of us in here have been accused at some point in your spiritual walk. Oh, he knows what to accuse you of. He knows you. He can come and whisper things and lean you into areas that are just uncomfortable. Jesus said he was a murderer from the beginning. And a liar, the father of lies. Jesus said that in John 8, 44. He's the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. Now we do have to understand that in this, when he's telling us in Paul's writing in Ephesians that we're to take our stand, we're to withstand, we'll do all we can to stand against this enemy, that if we're disobedient, we place ourselves in his camp. We, it's like our armor just drops off. And in, in the ground that you were taken, now is taken back. Disobedience. It's a very real thing. But the enemy with his mercy, I mean the Lord with his mercy and his grace, knows the battle we face, knows the power of, of the sin nature. And is always patient with us, ready to work in us. But what does he do when we go to when we're talking about going out and hanging these door hangers out and reaching out to our neighbors and praying over the neighborhood? And we've hung out uh, almost a hundred now already, and we haven't seen anybody come from those door hangers that were hung on the, those doors. Well, keep praying. Keep praying. Because see what Satan does, he blinds the mind of unbelievers. And so if, the, if the, the door that we hung our hangers on are not Christian folk, but they're unbelievers, then we need to pray for their eyes to open. 2 Corinthians 4.4 4 says this, The God of this world, of this age, 
has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. Now, how do you see it? I tell you what, you pray for the light to come in. You pray for the power of Christ. That's why it's important to pray on those door hangers. Lord, in the name of Jesus, I do lift up this house. I do lift up this home. Open their eyes, Lord. Satan not only blinds the minds, and not only, and he can blind, he blind our eyes too, but he puts doubts. He puts doubts in our minds. Have you ever doubted? Have you ever doubted his love, his infinite love and goodness? Have you ever doubted the fact that God might be limiting the fullness, his fullness in your life? You doubted that? Have you, have you sat down in the loan and thought, you know what, I don't know that he has his fullness for me. Have you ever doubted that God's will is not the best for you? He wants us to believe that we can have a richer, fuller life apart from God. That's what Satan wants. That's the deceiver. That's the destroyer. Apollyon, Abaddon, the serpent, the snake, the God of this world. He wants you to believe that you can have a richer, fuller life apart from God. Satan puts doubt in your minds. He's a steamer. See, when he came to, when he came to Eve in the garden, you've heard this before, but when he came there in the garden, he, here's the question. Did God really say See, did God really say that? Did the Bible really say that? All throughout, right from the very beginning, schemes. He's a steamer. It refers to cunning and deceit and craftiness. He has wily questions and he insinuates doubt. In case you're thinking, well, I know I've doubted, and I've doubted. We've all doubted. But even some of what they call the greatest saints alive have come to places of doubt, where they've had dry spells in their faith, where the Bible seems so dry. And they've wondered about it. There's stories about them. I'm sure you've read some. And Paul describes those doubts as the fiery darts of the wicked one. They come at you. Satan tries to overwhelm us with a spirit of fear, that will often lead to a kind of denial of, of God and God's promises. And we only have to look at Peter, who stated so boldly, though all men forsake thee, Lord, I won't. He, was, he walked in three years. Ah, but he did. We know that he did, right? Jesus said, Simon, Simon, says the Lord, Satan is deceived, as, as desired, to have you that he may sift you as wheat. Ooh, does that, does that put any sort of thoughts in your mind? Is God trying to sift you like wheat for his, for his purposes? I've been in communication with a, a long time, a long, a long ago friend over in England who went through quite a difficult time and, and ended up uh, spending some time in prison and uh, through a lot of deceit and a lot of uh, cunningness on, on the part of another person. And, and uh, he, he just poured out last night, 
in a, a full-length email describing that whole event because we knew that he'd spent time in jail and he's a Christian man. And, and um, he was sifted. He's maintained his faith. I sent him an email back last night and I said, you know, it tells us in a word that if necessary, if need be, we have to go through some trials. And how, and how some have described that those trials are not necessarily proving your faith genuine, but revealing your faith. When we come up against the enemy and he begins to put doubts in us, he begins to maybe blind our minds, he, he begins to ask you, did God really say that? And so then you have those doubts about what the promises of Scripture are telling you. Well, that can be a sifting. It can be a sorting out. It can be a trial. And God is saying, saying I'm trying to reveal your faith. I want to, I want to see what, where are you at in your faith. Doesn't that reveal your faith? Standing up against the enemy. Another way that the devil comes and causes havoc is attacking us with evil thoughts. If you ever woke up in the middle of the night and having been attacked by evil thoughts, have you? Martin Luther, in relation to the devil and our thoughts, he wrote this. He says, the devil throws hideous thoughts into the soul, hatred of God, blasphemy, and despair. And then he wrote about his own life. This is Martin Luther. He said, when I awake at night, the devil tarries not to seek me out. He disputes with me and makes me, makes me give birth to all kinds of strange thoughts. I think that often the devil, solely to torment and, and vex me, wakes me up while I'm actually sleeping peacefully. My nighttime combats are much harder for me than in the day. The devil understands how to produce arguments that exasperate me. Sometimes he has produced such as to make me doubt whether or not there is a God. That was Martin Luther. Have you ever woke up in the night? Have you ever had that? Have you ever, does he come wake you up and, and there's wicked thoughts going through your head? He does it to all of us because it's his method. He just knows your specifics. He knows my specifics. He knows where we're weak. And so when Paul is saying, look, you've got to be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. You do have to put on the whole armor of God so you can take your stand against the wiles, the schemes of this devil. Because our wrestling match isn't flesh and blood, it's spiritual forces. Hordes of hell. A gentleman I really like to listen to on uh, YouTube, he's a counselor, his name is David Paulus, and he just passed away this year. And he makes a statement that demons cannot invade believers, but he acknowledges that Satan can put thoughts into a person's mind. See, that whole controversy, whether or not a Christian can be possessed or whether a Christian can be influenced. And Paulison is saying that, oh, he can put thoughts in your mind. He can come and whisper things in your ear. Voices in the mind, he says, are not uncommon. Blasphemous mockeries, spirits of temptation to wallow in vile fantasy or behavior, persuasive lines of unbelief, 
classic spiritual warfare interprets these as coming from the evil one. And so that's created all kinds of ministries like Neil Anderson's ministries on setting the church free and setting yourself free and getting deliverance from the the enemy that wants to come against you. God's given us his remedy right here to stand, to put on the full armor, to recognize that Satan is real, that he's powerful. And yes, we often say in my conversation this week with my friend Gary Fix, we were talking about this passage and talking about this thing, and Gary says to me, he said, it's so often quoted in the church that Satan is a defeated foe. Well, he's not defeated yet. Not in the sense of being alive to come and speak to us blasphemous things and get our minds focused on things that are not Christ-like. Yes, the cross enables us to have a new life and Satan lost the battle with Christ because Christ rose from the dead. It was the sting of death that was accomplished at the cross. But we are in a battle with Satan until the end time when when he falls out of heaven and, and when he is bound with chains and Christ returns. He's a real enemy. Attacking us with evil thoughts. So the fact that you, are you tempted with evil thoughts? They've got to lead you to the conclusion that they tend to lead you to the conclusion you're not a Christian. Well, that's the very thing he wants to do. Even when you're reading your Bible. You ever found the Bible hard to read? Maybe you say, well, I don't read my Bible. Well, have you ever wondered why it's hard to read? You ever wondered why you don't read it like God would want you to read it? Because the word of God is living and active. It's sharper than any double-edged sword. It's the breath of God. It's the life of God. It's God-breathed. It gives you strength. It gives you wisdom. It, he, 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 by the Holy Spirit, is alive. It comes alive and in your heart. And if you don't read it, I want to tell you, you've been duped by Satan. And he tells you, you don't have to. You don't want to... You don't want to think about such thoughts. And you were going along just fine. All of a sudden, there's a thought. My question to you is, where do these come from? What is their origin? How often have you found yourself waking up in the morning with such thoughts or waking up in the middle of the night? How do you know whether they are your thoughts or the thoughts of of the demonic? One of the suggestions is here is if if you hate them and wish them gone, they're not yours. They're the devil's. He attacks us by hurling evil at us. Not only evil thoughts, but evil imaginations. It is often difficult to control our minds and thoughts. Satan knows where we are weak. He is real. He's alive. He has a personality. He knows you. And he wants us, God wants us to take a stand against him. Let me read you a couple of scriptures here. In regards to the end times, 2 Thessalonians 2.9 says the coming of the lawless one is according to the working of Satan. Satan is, going, is, 
is orchestrating his work now as we are in end times. At the end times, we have been talking about this for over 100 years. They were expecting Christ to return 2,000 years ago when the, when the disciples walked the earth. But Satan is at work. The working of Satan, the lawless one, is according to the working of Satan. With all power, signs, and lying wonders. And with all unrighteous deception among those who perish because they did not receive the love of the truth that they might be saved. That blinded the eyes of unbelievers. Let's pray that unbelievers' eyes would be opened. That lying wonders, that is quite a statement. Lying wonders. Because the Holy Spirit, the evidence of the Holy Spirit are wonders and miracles, miraculous wonders. That word wonders is is a, they're, they're acts so unusual that they cause you to be to marvel. Well, he has lying wonders. They'll cause you to marvel, but they're lies. He's the father of lies. And he wants you to even go to sleep when you even hear this. But the Lord is faithful. 2 Thessalonians 3.3 3 says, But the Lord is faithful, who will establish you and guard you from the evil one. Stay armored. Don't be unarmored. Now I do want to, uh, before I finish this uh, for you, is um, in regards to taking ground and taking your stand and withstanding in the battle of the evil day, I just want to talk to you as your pastor to say that the enemy knows you and he knows your weakness and he will move in and he will, he will try to get control of you where you are the weakest, areas that you don't want to talk about, areas that you're too afraid to tell anyone about. And we've got two choices when this is happening. You've, you've accepted Christ. The truths of the first chapters of this Ephesians says you, you've, you've come to Christ. All the riches of his glory are yours. All the truths that Paul's been praying and we pray as a church that your eyes would be open to see how wide and high and deep is the love of Christ. All these things. that Just as God's power raised Jesus from the dead and seats him in the heavenlies, you in Christ can be seated in the heavenlies. But I want to just say to you that if you are disobedient, if you, if, you, if you refuse to walk in these truths that he's laid out in these previous verses, then you, uh, you just basically put yourself in the hands of the enemy. Because God, God will let you, he'll take his hand off you. Now, I'm just, I'm just saying this from my own experience too. Get your eyes off the Lord your eyes off these truths, God says, look, okay, I love you. I've, like Ron's, the, the passage we read this morning about being in his shelter, in the shadow of his wings, God says, I'm going to take my hand off you. And then the hordes of hell have all full access to you. And then, you, then, then you're overcome and overwhelmed. Now that's not, not the end of your Christian life. But it ought to be a warning to you to say, I'm, I've been living my Christian life 
as a non-armored Christian, as an unarmored Christian. I haven't been armored with the things of the Lord. And, and, this, and this Satan is real, and we've just looked at all these ways that he works, some of the ways. These are just a few things that I mentioned, and we'd be here for days trying to, because all the way from Genesis all the way through is, is, is the steaming and working and the wiles of the devil and the roaring lion and so forth. But if you give him ground, you can take, you take, take ground, but then you're disobedient. That ground's lost. And you're miserable. And you need to confess it and ask God to cleanse you and fill you and give you the strength to stand in the power of his might. Be armored with the truth or be unarmored. I read just, just uh, I've read years ago, but I reread it this, this, this week, that a Christian person, when we're armored, armored with the truth, when we have the righteousness of life, we tend to be people that make and keep peace. We tend to have a sense of self-control and we, we are working out our own salvation with fear and trembling. We tend to hold up our faith as a shield against the fiery darts of, of the enemy. We have our scriptures in our hands and we're meditating in them day and night and we're praying without ceasing. That's an armored Christian. But an unarmored Christian, one has decided to to do what they want to do, to be disobedient, becomes open to lies through ignorance because we're ignorant of what the passage of Scripture teaches us. We, we tend to live in unrighteousness through ignorance. There are divisions and quarrels in our relationships. There's a reckless unwatchfulness, and that's in regards to where we're at in Christ, our coming king. We don't even care about it. And then while all that is going on and all that is going on in our head, the devil is scheming. We tend to rely on reason rather than relying on scripture instead of God's word. And we rely on doing work without prayer. Those are all things that we can do, either armored or unarmored. When we became a Christian, when you became a Christian, you became a warrior for Jesus, and he has the armor for you to put on. Our God is at work in this place. Just keep in mind that Satan is a real and vicious enemy of God and his people. He's highly organized. He's maliciously anti-God and therefore anti-Christ. That's who it is. That's who we deal with. Satan in himself is the embodiment of evil. The murderer, the liar, the deceiver, the dragon, the devil, the accuser, the slanderer, the adversary, and an enemy. That's quite a negative thing, isn't it? But let's keep in mind all this. Satan can do nothing without permission from God. He cannot touch you. Satan cannot touch you. He cannot harm you without permission from God. But just as Job shows us, God 
can give permission. Just as Jesus said to Peter, he's looking to sift you as wheat. But when, but when you return, after you've been sifted, Peter, and denied me, when you return to me, then strengthen your brothers. We ought to keep that as an encouragement if there's anything to walk out of this building with today. Is there isn't one of you in here, and I say this with great confidence, and that includes me, that hasn't, hasn't fallen, hasn't denied, hasn't, hasn't had a struggle, and, then, and, and been sifted and have to come back. And I want to encourage you as a body that when you have had those moments and then when you do come back with the same mercy that you received in your trial and offer that mercy to others, bring strength to the church. Tell the church, tell your brothers and sisters, Satan is real and if we don't get armored, if we're unarmored, we're going to have disunity. We're not going to be in fellowship. There's not going to be the love of Christ. We need to be armored so that we can take our stand, so that we can withstand against this enemy. Is, do we any, can we give an amen to that? Father, in the name of Jesus, I've said enough, but let us finish with the fact that Jesus came and went to the cross, and Satan all the while was steaming before the cross, but Lord, you went there because you love us so much. You came to give us life and life to the full. You will guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. Help us to stay strong. Help us to keep our eyes on you. Help us to recognize that Satan is real. And if we wake up in the middle of the night struggling, been whispered to, blasphemous thoughts, Lord, I pray we just slip out of bed, get on our knees and say, Holy Spirit, come. Cleanse me, fill me, refresh me. And Lord, if for those of you here this morning going through a trial, I just pray, Lord, that for victory to come, pray that they'd stand strong, withstand, do all they can, and look at this teaching on putting on the full armor. Lord, we will come to this, we will look at this, we will be equipped, we will be strong warriors for you. And Satan, you have no authority over us. In the name of Jesus, I pray for the Spirit of Jesus to be present in this church, for the Spirit of Jesus to guide us and fill us and empower us. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, Amen. Amen. Please stand with us.
Tim brings a benediction. I, I meant, I, well, I thought about saying at the very beginning of this message today, and then I just thought, no, I'll just, and then, but I can't leave you without telling you this. But this morning, I went out for my walk, and you know, it had rained last night, real heavy rain. And I'm walking, and I got my basketball shorts on and a short shirt, and I'm not kidding you, the mosquitoes, they came out like fire. I mean, I got welts all over my legs. I was swatting them off the back of my neck. And, and I'm saying, Lord, what are you, what are you, what are you doing? What are you saying? Well, you could have wore long sleeves. You could have wore your jeans. You, you, could, you could have even, Jim, uh, Jim gave me a wristband that's supposed to keep mosquitoes off. I could have put that on. I didn't. And then I thought, man, that's just like a spiritual battle. That's like the enemy comes at you like the mosquitoes. He just keeps biting you and putting welts on you. And uh, so I just wanted to share that with you that mosquitoes start biting you, start putting on the armor of God. Amen. And benediction from the first book of Mosquito. Oh, no. <laughs> this should be a familiar verse uh, and one that we can walk out of here with victory in our heart. Then I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, now the salvation and the power and the kingdom of God, the authority of his Christ have come. For the accuser of our brethren has been thrown down. He who accuses them before our God day and night. And they overcame him because of the blood of the lamb and because of the word of their testimony. And they did not love their life even when faced with death. For this reason, rejoice, O heavens, and you who dwell in them. Amen.